This is the Build Your Best Family podcast, episode 89, The Steps We Can Take to Overcome Fear with J.J. Gutierrez. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love and become the family you were meant to be. The last few months have reminded us that we live in an unpredictable and uncontrollable world where things change often. As a result, fear can plant itself deeply within our hearts and prevent us from courageous forward movement in our family. As I look back over the years, I can pinpoint the places where fear has caused me to play it safe, to not take risks and to do what comes natural and what's comfortable. And in many of those places, I look back with regret which is the absolute worst. And that's one of the reasons why developing a family culture is so important to me, because I don't want to get to the end of my parenting journey or the end of my life and have regret. And I hear this from so many of my clients as well. They want to live with purpose instead of waking up one day and wondering, how the heck did I get here? The things that prevent this from happening is to, number one, take the time to determine your vision, values, and passions, which is what we talk about a lot on this podcast, and number two, to make the decisions that line up with those visions, those values, and the dreams we have for our family. All this is only possible when we overcome the fear we have to make the necessary changes that hold us back from stepping into the fullness of who we are and who we were meant to be as a family. This week's guest, J.J. Gutierrez, felt the same way. She wrote a book about it called Chickening In, and it's a practical approach to defeating the fear and doubt. Now, in our conversation, we talk about the roadblocks that prevent courageous forward movement, as well as how to create an action plan to overcome that fear and doubt. And I love this book, and I love our conversation because I really enjoy practical steps. We also talk about the three things not to do if your kids has anxiety, and a bunch of things we can do to help our kids overcome that anxiety. Overcoming fear is not a one-and-done deal. It's a process that we can learn and repeat, and our guest gives us what she calls stepping stones that we can take in that journey. As you listen to this episode today, consider the areas of your life where you have been scared to make moves and ask yourself, what is fear costing me and is it worth the cost? Do you want to know what your loved ones really think of you? We've created the Family Retreat Packet to help you connect with one another and get honest feedback on how you're doing as a family. It's like a 360 peer review, but for families. It takes the guesswork out of planning because it includes everything you need to host your own family retreat, such as a sample itinerary, a packing list, and activity suggestions. Go to www.buildyourbestfamily.com forward slash shop and for only $4.99, you can download the Family Retreat Packet and host your own family retreat. Today, I'm talking with J.J. Gutierrez. J.J. is a corporate career woman turned homeschool mom, writer, speaker, and soon-to-be podcaster. Married for 24 years with three girls, two adult daughters, and 10-year-old Hope, the mastermind behind Chickening In. J.J. has a passion for seeing women grow in courage and faith, and often you can find her starting new small group ministries. J.J. loves her German shepherd, Bella, and most days you'll find her sipping a glass of fresh-brewed iced tea. JJ, it is fantastic to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I appreciate it. So let's start off by asking you a question that I ask all my guests, and that is, what is your family known for? 
Okay. So our family is known for, I will tell you one fun thing and, and one more serious thing. So we are known for as a family that we do not give up. Um, we ingrain that into our children when they are born and say, you are a Gutierrez um, and you do not give up and we do not quit. We do hard things. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that we have um, taught our children and, um, and we live out ourselves. Mm-hmm. But the fun thing that we're known for is um, that we throw the best Christmas party <laughs> family <laughs> Christmas party. We've been doing it. Me and my husband have been doing this for like 17 years. And, and, and it's just a blast. We have, my husband and I work like a team in such a way that it's just, it's a really beautiful thing. We just get to work and we produce this beautiful meal and everybody that comes gets a gift and it's just a really fabulous time. Oh, I love that. So tell me, so that the, the motto that you have or the mantra for your family, where did that come from? Like, what did you decide that that was going to be your thing? Did it happen organically or was that something you were like, love this? So it started out with just, that's the way that my husband and I are naturally. Um, Mm -hmm. We, uh, we live our lives that way. And Mm -hmm. then one day I was listening to, um, do something on focus on the family. I can't even remember what it was, but it was years ago. Um, and they had, um, they were talking about similar to your message, yeah. um, which is, you know, having a, creating the culture for your family, creating yeah. the, um, you know, what does your family stand for? And that's when it came to me. I'm like, this is what we stand for. Like we already stand for this. Yeah. I just didn't name it. Yeah. And so then I started uh, just reciting that to my daughter. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. There's so much power when you start to name stuff like that, for sure. It is. Yeah. It, it really, um, it really became something that, um, that we were able to, uh, we were giving the example of it, but we weren't saying it. So it just adds another layer to it when you say it. Oh, absolutely. So you're here to talk about your new book called Chickening In. And so tell me about how that book came to be. Yes, it is. Um, it's a really fun story. And it started, um, I was in the middle of trying to make a really, really, really huge decision. It's one of those really scary decisions that um, your tummy is really upset. You don't feel so good, <laughs> but you know, you need to make the decision. And it was quitting my six-figure income career. So we're talking a huge, weighty yeah. decision on my shoulders. Um, something that I knew that God was leading me to do, um, it was several years to a build-up to this moment. So this had been going on for quite a while. And I came to the point where my husband and I were like, okay, today's the day. Like, you need to go ahead and quit your job. Um, and I contacted my boss three times to set a meeting and say, okay, I'm going to quit set the meeting, went to the meeting. I couldn't do it. I couldn't say it. I just came up with another reason why I had to meet him. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's such a big decision, right? That's a lot of money. And it wasn't just the financial part of it. It was, you know, my identity is wrapped in my job. There's a lot of things 
mm-hmm. you know, that go into, into your career when you're trying to make a really huge change. Um, mm-hmm. And to give you just a little quick background, uh, my daughter who had struggled um, deeply with fear and anxiety, she's my youngest child. Um, we had to pull her out of school when she was in first grade to homeschool her um, because it was not, it was very clear that going to school was not going to work for her. So mm-hmm. we were a couple years into the process of homeschooling her and I had hired a tutor teacher to school her while I worked. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I knew that I was supposed to be her homeschool mom. And that was part of, that was part of the plan yeah. is I'm going to reinvent this new life. I'm going to be a homeschool mom and I'm going to start this writing career. And, um, and so I was sitting at lunch with my daughter and her teacher tutor. And I was explaining to her, her teacher tutor, I keep chickening out. I am just terrified. I can't make this decision. I'm, you know, meeting my boss and I've done this three times. And my daughter, who was um, six going on seven at the time, she turned around and she looked at me and she said, mom, why don't you just chicken in? And <laughs> I stopped and the teacher, Dear tutor and I, we both stopped and we looked at each other and we were like, what did she just say? And we kind of laughed. It was, you know, it was funny. It was yeah. a silly little thing. And, uh, but it, it wasn't actually funny. It was actually God's way of getting my attention. And over the next um, several weeks, I felt God working that word into my heart and into my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it became the phrase that gave me the courage to chicken in and quit my job. Mm-hmm. And I gave my notice and with, by the end of the summer, I, um, I had left my job. So. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So would you consider that your biggest chickening moment or do you have others? This- so it, it absolutely is one of the biggest ones other than deciding to become a homeschool mom while I was a career woman. <laughs> that was a pretty big one. Um, and then deciding to really pursue the writing career. I mean, it yeah. just, it takes uh, a lot of courage when you're trying to reinvent yourself and do something new. That's good for your family. Like this was a decision mm-hmm. that wasn't just about me. It was about my daughter and it was about our life and our yeah. life really transformed when I was willing to take a chance and make this big decision to, yeah. um, to be home with our family. Yeah. So what do you find that are the biggest roadblocks for people when it comes to be, be making these big decisions and making courageous steps and taking risks? Yeah. You know, in, um, in my book that I wrote, I actually talk about five of them and they were the five that were the biggest ones for me, um, which are fear, mm-hmm. doubt, worry, low self-esteem, and self-sufficiency. Believe it or not, self-sufficiency is probably on the top of my list. Wow, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so those four things really come in and they, and they try to sabotage us from moving forward with what God wants to do in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, and the plan that we want to move forward, we want something better. And it's just too scary. It's just mm-hmm. too hard. And to trust God, um, so, you know, that's probably one of the hardest things to do is to truly, honestly trust God um, in what you believe he's telling you to do when you can't really see the outcome of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so so those are the, the five things that have prevented me. And I talk, you know, in detail about them. Yeah. So um, what does it look like to create a plan or action steps in order to overcome that fear and doubt? 
Yeah. So I come from a business sales um, background. And so um, a, a lot of my approach is very practical mm-hmm. um, and very um, a thought out process. I think very like, how do I get from A to B and how mm-hmm. do how do I do this? And so I have laid out the what I call the eight pillars of transformation. And it's a stepping stone process that can lead us through, um, through going from fear to courageous faith. Um, and what I would say about the process um, that I'll tell you a little bit about is that it, it's not a one and done process. I don't mm-hmm. believe there's any kind of like 30-day fix. And you're never going to be afraid again. And your family is going to, you know, triumphantly move forward. It's not like that. This is something that you learn and you repeat. Mm-hmm. Um, life is fluid. And we know from this pandemic that things can happen that we don't even expect that we can't yeah. even dream up. Yeah. Um, and that can bring up new fears um, within yourself and within your family. And so the process that I lead everyone through is a process that this is like, this is a book that you would keep that you would use as a reference book, I would say. Mm-hmm. And so the, the steps are, um, the, the first step is facing your fear. And, um, and that's pretty self-explanatory, I would say, except that I would, um, I would beg to say that facing your fear is a word that doesn't sound so practical. It sounds really great, yeah. Um, but we, we'll put some pra- we put practical application around that. Um, stepping up to the plate of your life, um, and that really is those things that um, you didn't plan for, like the pandemic. Mm-hmm. That now you find yourself in a situation where you need to step up, and you are terrified or afraid to do that. And we mm-hmm. put steps around that. Um, taking calculated risks, and this is where we get really strategic about creating a plan to um, overcome your fear and to attack those things that you're afraid to do. Traveling down unknown roads, um, and this is what we're doing right now, right yeah. in the middle of this whole COVID nineteen. We are traveling down a road like the whole world together is traveling down an unknown road that nobody could have ever anticipated was yeah. going to happen. Um, and then embracing your uniqueness. And this is all about learning to know who you are and love who you are because God created you uniquely to be you mm-hmm. um, and not to be like someone else. So this is where the cold comparison gets put. Let's silence that um, and let's you know embrace who we are. And pursuing your dreams, um, you know, I believe God has given every single one of us, including our children, um, a passion and a purpose um, in our life and to live that passion and purpose courageously and fearlessly um, and doing it afraid at the end, at the end of all of this, when you put all these steps in place, if you still feel afraid, well, then it's time to just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've done everything we can through our steps to sort of minimize that. Uh, now it's time to say, okay, well, we got to go forward anyway. And then the final step is faith is the difference maker. Um, without faith, uh, I, I don't know how you do the scary things in life. I really don't. And so that is, um, I call it weaving it throughout the layers of transformation. I also call it like the layers of frosting between each um, pillar. You've got that frosting of faith in between because that's what holds it all together and gives us the strength to really be able to go forward when we're facing scary things. Oh, I like the idea of the frosting in between. And I so appreciate you having a plan. I think that there are a lot of times when we hear, 
what seems like Christian cliches, trust God, have faith. And it's like, but I, I, can you tell me how to do that? Can you tell me practically what it looks like? Can you tell me like, like you said, stepping stones, the idea that there's a progression and stepping stones that really, I feel like it's doable. I feel like it's something I can read and walk away with some, some success, you know? Absolutely. That is the, um, that is actually been the the bone that I pick all mm-hmm. the time is I need the practical step. And so I'm going to yeah. give you one really quick practical step so that everyone has one. Okay. <laughs> and that is um, when fear is trying to sabotage you, one thing that you can do is make a cost um, and benefits analysis and sit down and look at what is fear costing you mm. um, and, and decide whether or not that cost is worth it. Is it costing you a relationship? Mm-hmm. Is it costing you following your dreams? Mm-hmm. Is it costing you um, not pursuing counseling when you really need to, or not stepping up to the plate to your, what your children really need you to do, or the the parent that your child really needs you to be? Mm-hmm. Because maybe like me, you were afraid to quit the job, and yeah. and so it was costing me, you know, peace in my family um, yeah. to stay in my job. And so that is one really practical thing that you can do right away. Is just yeah. look at what is fear costing you and is it worth the cost? Oh, that's such a good thing to consider. Absolutely. So part of your story is that you have a daughter, like you mentioned earlier, who struggles with anxiety. So what advice can you give parents who have children that struggle with anxiety? Even now, yeah. I feel like even after we come out of this, so we're recording this, we're still under quarantine, we're still under lockdown or whatever we're calling it now. Um, we may be out of it when this airs, we may not, but like, especially during a time like this, I mean, there's, there's, I think more potential than ever before for anxiety and worry to creep in. So talk to us about, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I could go on and on about this just because my daughter, you know, at the age of five months showed signs of anxiety. Um, but we weren't really able to put a name on it until she was about two years old. But then looking back, I could see it. So we really have gone through, um, gone through a lot in trying to understand how to help her. I myself have struggled with fear and anxiety, which is why I write about what I write, but, Mm -hmm. um, but I never imagined that it could start that young. So I would say that um, there are first three things that you don't want to do. Um, that I would say if you could if you could not do these things or or try to work on them, they would be so helpful. And the first one is not yelling or blowing up when your child is expressing anxiety. Mm. Um, I think for parents or I know for myself, I mean it was really upsetting to me to see that my child was having this anxiety and I wanted it to just stop. (laughs) And you don't mean to, but you could find yourself getting really upset and blowing up. And that I have learned only makes it worse. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if, if that would be the first thing not to do, the second one is saying, just get over it. I don't know about you, but I don't like when anybody tells me that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so our our kids don't like that either. And nor do they even understand what that means. Mm -hmm. Um, Or can they even figure out how to 
just get over it. I, as an adult, I can't figure out how to just get yeah. over something. <laughs> yeah. Like when my husband says that to me, I'm like, no, that is not what you need to say right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. When a person is in a lot of anxiety or a lot of fear, they really need somebody to be understanding, mm-hmm. not to say, get over it. Um, and the last thing I would say not to do is trying to take away the feelings. So, you know, trying to say, well, you don't need to feel that way, or you shouldn't feel that way, or trying to minimize the, what they're feeling, um, because that doesn't help them either. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've learned all these things by trial and error, by the way. So, um, so you could definitely say it does not help that those, those three things. So you can work on not doing those three, three things, mm-hmm. you're already getting a really good head start. Yeah. Um, but the- yeah, I find oftentimes when we don't, when we can't control, especially our children's behavior, the anger and the frustration, wanting, wanting them to just get over it or getting upset with them has like, has more to do with us than it really does them. You know, it's about us not being able yeah. to control it or how it's making us feel. And that's, we can't help them when we're sort of in that spiral. Exactly, exactly. And then if you are also anxious like me, then child anxiety also makes you anxious. <laughs> so you're also dealing with your own yeah. um, own anxiety. Okay, awesome. So one of the things that I noticed in my life, and I noticed this right away when I quit my job and our family life transitioned and started really making a transformation change, mm-hmm. um, was slowing down. Um, mm. Children that are, are anxious, um, are, they don't do well under the hustle and bustle. So it's, we got to go, we got to hurry, we got to get to the next thing, like yeah. hurry, 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 get done with your homework, get done with your piano practice, whatever it is. It's that hustle and bustle that children that are um, anxious or fearful have a really difficult time with. And so the more that you can slow down and the more that you can, um, you know, provide a family environment that um, is at a little bit of a slower pace, the better your child will be, will be able to work through their anxiety. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Yes, yeah. And you don't real like I didn't realize it because I am a very, um, I'm a person who does things very fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I didn't realize how that was impacting my daughter until we yeah. started slowing down. Yeah. Um, I think we'll see a lot of that. I think, I think there's a lot of things that this, um, you know, the COVID and being home together and having a slower pace of life because we're just forced to, I think we're going to see a lot of things come out of that. We're going to make a lot of new observations about um, like mental health and anxiety and like what's slowing down the benefits of slowing down the benefits of having margin, the benefits of having like time where you don't have anything to do or that you're bored. I think we're really going to start to see that over the next couple. I mean, we're, I think we're going to start, we're going to see it and then we're going to start talking about it over the next couple months. I 100% agree. And, and I, um, because we decided to homeschool before this happened. And mm-hmm. then I also quit my job before this happened. Mm-hmm. We have seen the benefits of that already. Yeah. Um, homeschooling has also provided another opportunity for my daughter to slow down and that our lives are not dictated by um, what the school institution is saying we have to do at any given time in our time, even away from school. Yeah, um, And so that's provided opportunity as well as just not having you know my full-time career 
mm-hmm. uh, and being home with my daughter. So mm-hmm. we, it, the benefits are, have been amazing. I, I just, I would never go back and not do what we did, even right. though it was really scary. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I also think it's really important that you identify the source of the anxiety or the worry for your child. Mm-hmm. Um, when you do, you're able to have a conversation about it. Um, and I know for my daughter, she while um, she has had an underlying fear and anxiety, she really grew to... Um, well, she had an incident where she actually got the flu, a really bad flu. This is way before COVID mm-hmm. virus. <laughs> um, she got a really bad flu and it was a stomach flu. So it involved oh. a lot of, yeah. you know, food yes. coming back out of the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and she, um, and that created a really deep fear of throwing up mm. and it controlled her life. And I will say that we have worked on it for several years now. Um, but but by identifying what it was and what what it was that created that anxiety in her, we could talk about it. And so, I, if you know, if you can sort of go back and look at, okay, when did this start? What was what was the trigger? And how can we now talk about this specific instance? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really, really important and very vital to being able to to put a plan together to to yeah. overcome it. Yeah. When my daughter was little, all of a sudden she was really, really scared of taking a bath and I couldn't physically get her in them. She was young and I couldn't get her in the bath. She would fight it. She would scream. She would want to get out. And what we realized, and you're talking about getting to the root, what we realized was she was scared that the shower was going to go on. Oh, and she couldn't yes. articulate that to us, but she like yeah. somehow I don't remember. Somehow we had figured it out. And so I made like a sock puppet and I would put it on the head of the shower every time she would get into the bathtub, but I, we, we were so angry. We're like, do we discipline? Do we, you know, what do we do? This is not okay. Like this, you know, it was ruining our evening routine. And I was already stressed out because I had little ones even younger than her. And so, but identifying, trying to like slow down and say, she's struggling with something. Now, what is it? This isn't just her not wanting to take a bath and being able to sort of do some yeah. detective work and figure that out and address that. Um, you know, she, it was, it was such a game changer for us. Yeah, it is. And it's interesting because sometimes when our, our kids can have fears, um, we, and we're not clued into it right away. Mm-hmm. Other people may, um, want to interject their opinions. Oh yeah. Um, and so yes. that is another really good piece of advice is to really follow your gut instinct because I had people tell me when my daughter was having her fear at school, um, that my daughter was trying to manipulate me on that. Oh, she was just yeah. very strong willed and she was trying to manipulate me. And, but I knew in my heart because it was really paying attention to what was going on, that that was not the truth. Hmm. Um, and so it, it is really important. You listen to your gut instinct and you, yeah. and you, you knew something further was wrong than just, you know, than just trying to discipline her to take a bath. Yeah. Um, absolutely. So it's really important. Yeah. And something really fun you can do once you identify that your child has what what their actual fear is, um, is you can create a worry box. So something really Aww. fun that we did with my daughter. Yeah. So get a little um, <laughs> cardboard box or um, you could get these at Michael's. So <laughs> um, like a little paper mache, mm-hmm. uh, you know, brown box and it, a lid comes off and you could decorate it, paint it or put stickers, whatever your, your um, child wants to do on it. 
And then use it as a game. Have your child write down what their worries are, what their fears are, um, and put them in the box. And then as long as the lid is on the box, um, that's your child's way of being able to contain their fear and say, okay, we're not going to talk about this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but later, we're going to take the lid off. We're going to open it up. And when we open the lid, well, now we can talk about these fears. Now we're going to we're going to have an open conversation. Because what I noticed about my daughter that I had to practice with is that um, her fears were all the time. And so we had to practice containing them, not squashing them, not pushing them away. So we never talked about them, but yeah. we had to, we had to teach her how to, um, be able to set them aside for a little while so she could get some relief from it. Mm. Um, and then have a time where now we open the lid and then we would play silly games where she would open and close the lid really fast. And they'd be, all oh, the worries are out. Oh, no, they're back in. No, they're out. Yeah. No, they're back in like that. And, and so we made it a little fun game and, and turned it into a craft. And, and that became something that really helped us to, to teach her a, a, a valuable lesson about it. Yeah. So, yeah. All right. Give us one more. One okay. More thing. One more. Let's see. Um, I will uh, give you one last one. And that okay. is to always be ready to stop, listen, and talk. So... My daughter's anxiety attacks or moments or moments of fear didn't always happen when it was convenient for me. Hmm. Um, and so really? I, she didn't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm in the middle of something and this is not convenient. And so, um, and so at first I, I wanted to push it aside. But what I learned is that as much as possible, it is, it is not always possible because you might be somewhere or truly be somewhere where you cannot be interrupted, but as much as possible, if you can stop what you are doing and listen to what your child is trying to say at the time, because mm-hmm. at the time they're trying to express it is when the most valuable information is going to come out of yeah. them. Um, and if you put it off, you might not get that exact moment back again with mm-hmm. what they were going to share. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you're also telling them that what you have to share right now is really valuable and I want to listen and I want to be part of helping you through this. Mm-hmm. So I found that it, it meant a lot to my daughter when I was willing and able to stop and say, yeah, mom's in the middle of the laundry or I'm trying to, you know, cook dinner or whatever it is that you're trying to do. If you can stop and give your child some attention, even if it's just five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have an example of how your daughter has chickened in? Yes. So my daughter, um, who, when we pulled her out of school, um, was terrified to ever enter a classroom environment again, ever like, Oh, she's, I'm going to be a homeschooler for the rest of my life. Even through college. Okay. So (laughs) (laughs) luckily everything is online. So you can, if you want to, but, um, but that's not realistic. Um, so we started working with her on, um, on, I would take her to a class, like a homeschool co-op class, Mm -hmm. sit in the classroom with her. Um, and we worked on this for about a year. Then I got to where I could sit away from her. And then I got to where I could mm-hmm. sit outside of the classroom door. Mm-hmm. Well, this last year before, and uh, before the pandemic hit, <laughs> um, she started her first set of actual homeschool classes where she went and I left her on campus and she stayed for four hours 
This was a major chickening in moment for her um, because I could not leave. um, I couldn't leave before. Yeah. Um, But we did all the baby steps, which is another good tip is baby steps. Yeah. Baby step your child through, through their fear. And here my daughter is fully chickening in uh-huh. and going to a class where I leave her for four hours and I could come home. <laughs> yeah, It was amazing for her. And she has so enjoyed the experience of being in a classroom environment with other children two days a week for four mm-hmm. hours. She's mm-hmm. met friends and I could just see her, um, you know, blossoming into this really courageous, brave young girl. Tweet, yeah. She's a tween now. So she's, she's just blossoming and it's just such a beautiful thing to see. What are the conversations af- after she does something like that? Yeah. So I asked her, how did you feel? What was it like? Mm-hmm. Did you know anything that you were afraid of come true? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and you ask questions like that. What was the best part? How did you feel when you um, talked to, you know, that child or your <laughs> teacher? And, and what was so amazing is that, um, is that, yeah, she was a little bit afraid. She was a little afraid to, you know, who am I going to sit with when we eat our snack? And, and mm-hmm. things like that. But she's discovered that she met friends anyway. Yeah. And that even though she had a little bit of fear in her, it turned out to be fine. Yeah. She's okay. And like her worst fears didn't come true. Right. Yeah. I like circling back um, with my kids to be like, hey, are you still alive? Like more yeah. so I say tongue in cheek of my teenagers, like you made it, right? You did okay. Like, yeah. you know, so sort of, I think the following back and following up with them is really important because then you can intellectually, no matter what their age is, sort of say, Hey, like you made it, like you survived yeah. this. Was it so, it wasn't so bad. What did you like about it? What, what surprised you about it? Like what, you know, what was nothing like you thought it would be? Wow. What do you yeah. think about that? You know, but I even do that to myself. Like there's certain things that I find myself doing that I'm like, okay, I did it. The worst thing that could possibly happen happened and I am okay. <laughs> I came out of this. Yeah. Yeah. You're reinforcing in them courage Mm -hmm. to go forward when you, when you uh, circle back with them. So you're reinforcing that they can do something when they are afraid and they will be okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. This was super helpful. Um, I think for me personally, but also as I interact with my kids, I think the tips that you gave us were fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed being your guest today. Thank you, Kimberly. You can find JJ at www.chickeningin.com. She's on Facebook as Chickening In and also on Instagram as Chickening underscore In. I'll link to all of this as well as her book in the show notes. Build Your Best Family has a great website, but do you know an even better one? my wife's. She's been at this blogging thing for a while now, and she's got a lot of smart things to say about faith, family, and community. Aw, thanks, babe. When you're all done listening to this episode, head over to KimberlyAmici.com and see what I'm talking about. And don't forget, family culture is not about perfect. It's about purpose. Hey, that's my line. To learn more about Build Your Best Family, go to BuildYourBestFamily.com.